Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 170. Brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, been a couple days since I've seen you, bud. How you doing? Mike, when you, you saw me two days ago. A couple days. I mean, I guess that is true. Like... It- <laughs> You Literally. haven't seen me in a couple of days, but also we usually never see each other. So, right. well, I'm, I mean, everything is delicious. How are you? I'm doing very well. I was glad I was get, able to catch up with you at the uh, Shrine Game practices, and we're going to be seeing each other down there in uh, Mobile, Alabama next week for the Senior Bowl. We'll talk about some of that later on in the show, but let's get to some uh, some Eagles stuff while I got you here. So, Ben, the, the Eagles are yet to even interview an offensive coordinator yet, complete radio silence, and you begin to wonder... If it's somebody from the playoffs that they're eyeing, maybe Mike Kafka, former Eagle and current QB coach of the Chiefs, maybe Mike Leffler, the passing game game coordinator of the 49ers. Did you say Mike? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, no, you mean Mike. Okay. I always get confused. Yeah, yeah, you had it, you had it, you had it. Leffler. So, and of course, the latest we have on this is Tom Palacero reporting that the Eagles have interest in Ravens quarterback coach James Urban who did such a wonderful job with the MVP, Lamar Jackson, this year. Uh, Then you have what was discussed on BGN Radio 102, so make sure you listen to that if you haven't yet. There's the whole press tailor of it all and not bringing Flip in, and those are connected according to Adam Kaplan. But, Ben, we haven't spoken in a week. We haven't had a pod together in a week, so we haven't talked since the Mike Rowe firing, and I was wondering if you had a favorite in all this or just some thoughts out there in general on what I uh, on what I just said there. What did Kaplan say about Press Taylor and John Filippo? They didn't want to bring in Flip because they didn't want to alienate Press Taylor. Press Taylor obviously staying on the staff, and then Flip eventually became the quarterback's coach in Chicago. So apparently that's why the Eagles – like the Eagles – had a good break with him if flip ends up making trubisky good <laughs> it's gonna be this podcast's fault because i am one of the most pro flip dudes ever i know and you're one of the most anti trubisky dudes ever right and one of us is going to be wrong and let's be honest it's probably going to be me <laughs> you know coaching can't solve some of trubisky's issues but still i think it's very funny he ended up there right so you and i did a pod last time i was on right before it was after the presser and before they got canned which is actually a very important contemporaneous moment because a lot of people have gone back and and in you know hindsight edited how they felt about what doug said and what doug actually said and what doug actually meant by what he said so on and so forth but if you go if you go back and you listen to that we were very much in the case of like you know he said that their jobs are secure seems like their jobs are secure but also, I would get it if he turned around and, and, and still fired him. There was enough ambiguity there with what he said to where you could well, go Well, even if there wasn't ambiguity, this is not the first nor is it the last time a coach said, yeah, his job is safe. And then in two <laughs> days, his job was no longer there. It's right? the NFL. And that's the thing is like everybody got in a kerfuffle when Grow and Walsh were actually fired. And then now two weeks later or even like a week in, or 10 days later, nobody really is. You know, this is nobody's talking about it or anything. Yeah. Right now, there is, a, you know, the point of would having Peterson renege on what he said so clearly have been possible if he had to, like, be in a presser the next day? It probably would have been a lot harder. 
But because Peterson won't be an oppressor for the next month, then, you know, it's not like, you know, you, 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 you protect him by obscuring him. Obviously, Peterson's statement was probably written by Jeff Lurie, or was he written with Jeff Lurie over his shoulder? Um, obviously, the firing of them was, was, was a Lurie thing. It's clearly an owner-driven thing. But good on Lurie, because I think those guys should have been let go. Tough for Doug, who obviously wants to be seen as a coach incubator the way Reed was seen as a coach incubator. And that's fine. I understand that 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 um, impulse, that desire. Yep. Mm-hmm. Owners being involved is always tricky. Lurie is not necessarily always right, you know, when he makes his moves, but there are a lot worse owners in the league and owners who are a lot more involved than Lurie is. So really, I think this was, I'm, I'm generally okay with everything that went down and how it went down. The PR statement was obviously like a bit laughable, but they usually are in context like this. <laughs> now, I would have liked to have seen Flip back as OC. He obviously is not calling plays as the quarterback's coach in Chicago. Um, I think he's going to be looking for yet another job again next year in Chicago because I don't think that coaching staff necessarily has its most secure right. job right now. And maybe they'll just let go of other guys who they'll blame for the whole Trubisky thing. But really, you know, it's um, I don't think he, I don't think Flip Flip joined a sinking ship there a little bit. Right. If they don't turn it around, they're going to be looking for a new coach, possibly new GM and a whole new staff. Basically. Exactly right. So that's the concern there. Now, I would have liked him for offensive coordinator, and you give him the offensive coordinator title, and you just let him do exactly what he did in 2017. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, but but I guess if you have conflicting messages between how he develops quarterbacks and how Press Taylor develops quarterbacks, and obviously Press Taylor only has a year of developing quarterbacks, then it's like, yeah, how much does that really matter? But either way, um, so I guess I, I can understand if you don't want D. Flippo to come in and have the familiarity of Carson Wentz that pulls Carson Wentz to do different directions. I understand that. So yeah. I would have liked Dee Filippo. James Urban, I mean, like, yeah. A guy who's yeah. he's been the quarterback's coach. They brought him in to be the quarterback's coach for Lamar. He's been there for two years. It's Lamar's two years, right? For six years, he was the wide receivers coach in Cincinnati. And then he was quarterback's coach here for two years, 09 and 010, which were some of the last read years. That's a really cool background, I think, having the years of being a wide receivers coach. I think that that helps you understand the holistic image between a quarterback throwing his receivers and things like timing and the drops and, and ball placement, so on and so forth. I think it definitely helps sell him as an offensive coordinator because he's a 46-year-old that has not had offensive coordinator experience, but you're right, working with those different positions, I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like this is now in the Wikipedia article on him, which I don't know if this was just shoved in there today. I don't <laughs> know if this was retrieved in February 19, 2011. When the Eagles signed... Mike Vick, during the preseason of 09, urban and offensive quality control coach Doug Peterson helped acclimate Vick into the offensive scheme. So hmm. he's clearly, Peterson's probably got a high image of him, which is nice. Yeah, that's true. And, and the other thing is, you know, we've said that we want Peterson to go get somebody who's outside of the Reed tree or outside of his his immediate Peterson, like, you know, the, with, with the, uh, the hires in-house and the promotions in-house. Urban obviously is a Reed product, but he's now been, he was in Cincy for six years, he's been in Baltimore for two years, so he's been other places, he's seen other things, like nobody's doing weirder things on offense than Baltimore is right mm-hmm. now, and so I think that there's a lot of other influence that's in Urban's coaching, which is, right. like, you know, that, that that is promising to me, and then the last thing, which is critical, Urban's really short, and I'm also <laughs> really short, and so, you seen a picture of Urban next to Lamar? He's like maybe five six. That's fascinating. So, you yes. know, you wear your boots, you know, you'll be good to go. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing I love more than a man I can look in the eye. We'll keep you updated here at BleedingGreenNation.com. Also, this feed as well as far as the uh, search for offensive coordinator goes. And it's been pretty quiet 
on that front. Another move in the front office here that I wanted to talk about is, number one, we're, deal- we're dealing with Andrew Berry here, and he's got a couple of suitors, which is not surprising at all. This is a young dude with a football background, analytics background. It's like the whole package. The Panthers would still like to interview him. The Eagles previously denied it when they wanted to interview him. Now they want to interview him for the executive president of football operations. But the Panthers would basically have to give him final roster say if they want to make it to where Philadelphia will grant the interview because if it's just a lateral move, they can deny it like they had before. The Browns are going to be interviewing Andrew Barry today as we're recording on Thursday. They're going to be interviewing with him on Friday. And that'll be interesting because they have Browns have two GM interviews. They have one with Barry. They have one with the Patriots college scouting director, Monty Ossenfort. That could be interesting with Barry. He's got a couple suitors there. And the, the thing with Barry in the Browns, going back to the Browns, because that's where he came from. This is from Charles Robinson a few days ago. He said, with Barry, I'd expect him to go through a process of whether he wants to return to the Browns. He's 32 in a good situation in Philly and will have other calls. Andrew Barry's 32? Yeah, he's young, dude. I would have guessed 79. Not actually, no. <laughs> but like, he, all right, he's 32. Super young, rising star. Uh, Charles continues, it's similar to when Joe Douglas paused to consider the Jets GM job. There's sure to be deliberation. So even if they offer Barry the job, we're not sure if he's going to take it. We don't know if he'll take the Panthers position. I agree with the Charles Robinson that he's in a really good situation in Philly. And again, he's only 32. He doesn't have to take a job unless he feels like it's the right one for him. Of course, the Panthers have a lot going on right now. Matt Rule's the new head coach. They bring in Joe Brady, who I think both of us wanted here. He's got full autonomy over his staff. They still, you know, that long-term situation at quarterback, we don't exactly know what's going on there. So that could be interesting for Barry. He's got some decisions to make. We'll see what happens with that. But Ben, what's your takeaway from, uh, from all that with Barry? So a couple of things that are critical to talk about with Barry. The Browns interviewing Barry. Eagles can't block it. The Panthers want to interview Barry. Eagles can and have blocked it. Why? Because Carolina wants Barry to work with Herney, their current installed general manager. And even if her, even if Barry were to get like a title of like general manager, he wouldn't be making picks. Herney would be making the picks. And that's how the Eagles get to block it from what I understand. Whereas in Cleveland, Barry would get autonomy over the staff and get to make picks. And that is considered a promotion. So that the Eagles can't block. Right. Okay. Well, Andrew Barry making picks. Barry is a, is a, is a, is an analytics guy, right? Like he has this, like, like a lot of people you talk to and Eagles fans, because Barry was with the Browns for the last couple of years, think that he was part of like the Sashi tree. Barry is a scout. Barry was a yep. scout in the Colts for years. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, he was, a, and he was a, um, um, a pro scout. Uh, he, he scouted free agents, right? And then he did college stuff as well, I believe. Now, he's also, yes, like a Harvard boy with a degree in computer science or something like that. So, this is the dude, right? right. Like, Barry's the freaking man. Harvard-educated economics. He's economics and computer science. Harvard-educated economics who also has been a pro scout for 10 years. Right. If you're building, like, uh, okay, take, take a young guy and then give him a certain right. skill set. Like, people ask me, why do you like Andrew Barry? Look at the resume. And, and, <laughs> and he's handsome as heck. We right. forget to talk about this. He's Young, handsome, dude. smart. And, right. So Andrew Barry is is a very attractive candidate, not just for... His looks. <laughs> his looks. Not not just because, oh, you know, the, the Browns are trying to swing back to the, uh, you know, to the era of whatever, you know, the... Um, the Sashi thing. To, they're trying to swing back to the Sashi era with the analytics. And it's not just that. 
right? It's he's got the the scouting background as well. So this is the dude. The thing about going to Cleveland and interviewing at Cleveland, and the fact that Barry's going to interview does not necessarily mean he would take the job. You know what I mean? Like, right. you, you often interview to get practice interviewing. And it's a boost to your name, too. You've been interviewed right. for a GM spot. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, also, I think and this is a little mean. If the Browns offer you the job and you reject it, I think your stock goes up among the other 30 teams in the league. <laughs> because I think that shows some discernment. And that's the thing. It's like Barry could outright say no. Mm-hmm. And it might be a little bit embarrassing to Cleveland. And so there's a chance because. He was in Cleveland, he knows Haslam's, that he's going to interview, and if they offer it to him, he'll say no, and he'll let them, you know, say, like, oh, you know, we, we never really wanted Barry, we want somebody else, whatever. But, it's like you said, Barry, I think, is their leading candidate. He has to decide if he wants to go be in Cleveland, and a lot of it depends on his experience there for the three years when he was under Sashi Brown doing the demo job that John Dorsey then messed up. We'll see. I can't claim to know what Andrew Barry thinks. I'm not convinced. This is... To be Roseman's number two is to be a GM candidate every year. We said it with Joe Douglas. He could take whatever job. You know what I mean? He was going to get interviewed. The Eagles, obviously, like, you know, like, like, you know, whether he was a serious candidate or not, but, like, he could take a job that he wanted. Joe Douglas has a bag in, with, with New York, with the Jets. Mm. So Barry can sit here and be in what's really one of the best, if not the best, grooming spots for a general manager in the league at right now at this moment. So we'll see. But he's a very attractive candidate. If he's here, this... Like, you know, he's not going to be here for long, no matter what. He's going to get a new job somewhere. He's going to get put in charge of a roster somewhere. And all the power to him. It is worth noting, you know, he's been with the Eagles. Not even a year. A a season. Like, not even a season. So I don't know to what extent the Eagles would lose, you know, would drop off. And and he's the VP of Football Ops. And as we understand that position, it's an analytic. It's the analytic side of the house. And there's a Mm. lot of young talent there that Roseman could potentially promote so I don't yeah like, they have a deep bench this is something that Dan, when when me and Dan Hatman talked about this I think last offseason he said the Eagles have one of the deepest benches in the league when it comes to these positions right and so it's like I, I feel it, it feels weird because I just talked about how good and valuable Barry is <laughs> but I like I, if the Eagles lose him, they probably don't take a huge hit now I don't right. know exactly what he does but just kind of reading the the staff I don't think they take a massive hit there's no way losing Joe Douglas and Andrew Barry in less than a calendar year doesn't hurt, but I, it's just the idea that they're well equipped, I think, to to handle that. And like you know, right. Andy Weidel, who's the new Joe Douglas in terms of the personnel department, was here the entire week. You know what I mean? Like he's out here first hanging out with Joe, um, but then secondly, you know, like he's out here doing the work, and he's been a a, a personnel guy for. 15 years or something, right? So yeah. you know, the Eagles have got guys. That's a good point. You are down there at Shrine. I get there, and you're like, "Hey, man, Connor Barwin's here." hanging out with Andy Weidel. I'm like, oh, okay. And there's like Joe Douglas right there. So uh, as you as you broke and as Bleeding Green Nation picked up, it, it's looking like Connor Barwin is also going to be taking some sort of position with the Eagles. At least that's what, you know, you connect the dots and that's what you come away with. Okay. So that's going to do it on that chat on the front office, the offensive coordinator position, whatnot. We'll keep you updated here. When we come back here on the Kist and Solak show, we're going to talk about some Senior Bowl, some Shrine game and whatnot. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak show. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 170. SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, let's talk about some of the uh, 2020 draft prospects here because we're going to be live in Mobile next week checking these guys out. And I've got 
a bit of a short list. I was wondering your, your, your thoughts on this. So for the Eagles, there's six prospects that I'm really looking at as I combed over the roster the other night. I'm like, these guys are the ones that I want to see and I'm really interested in for the Eagles. Some of them I've watched a ton of film on. Some of them I have not watched so much, but they kind of stand out to me as far as what I might be looking for. I think the first name for me, obviously, we saw him in the championship game. He got picked on a little bit, which was weird. It's a weird thing to say that Clemson picked on the first round talent, Christian Fulton, the cornerback, rather than picking on the 18 year old. But the context of that is Stingley's like one of the best recruits to come to LSU ever and is a baller out there cornerback already what 2022 20, well, quarterback one on a lot of boards <laughs> right right so here's the thing is like in the year everybody picked on stingley and fulton right. barely got targeted fulton they threw the ball at receivers fulton was covering i'm not sure you can say fulton got picked on fulton's in good position almost invariably you got yep. called for a couple of dpis that i i disagree with i mean i don't know maybe i'm blinded by my closest to fulton takes i think fulton is an absolute stud i would do anything to put him there available at 21. Um, I think he's a great player. I agree. Doubt he's going to be there. Um, yeah. But, I, so yeah, I, I I came away from that game most impressed with Brady, the new offensive coordinator in Carolina, because yeah. what Venables is doing on, on defense is not even real. Like, it's not, it's not even like a thing. It's not like, it's not <laughs> like oh, like I, I know this is from that. This is from that. You know, it's just like madness, complete chaos. Tigers came out in that first quarter with some of their lowest scouting outputs. They were actually losing in a game for the first time in like months. You know what I mean? Like the offense was not playing too well. Burrow settled in and then Brady found, you know, he didn't try to get it all back in one play. He continued to try to get one-on-one shots on the outside. They stuck to their yeah. offensive identity and he let his top players make plays. Meanwhile, I thought he did a better job of generating protection. They tend to go empty all the time and they were struggling against the blitz, but they found ways to get Burrow more time in the pocket and a cleaner pocket and then proceeded to pour 45 points on the na- the defending national champions in three quarters as one does if if burrow was at the senior bowl and i don't think he's gonna go it would be hey a media hey circus. hey hey yes he is <laughs> i hope so man like he doesn't have to practice or anything like that be there for interviews and whatnot be with the the cincinnati Bengals staff who are probably gonna select him and everything like that but like that uh, that would be a big boon for Jim Nagy in the Senior Bowl, if he does come, I just don't think he will. Obviously, they're still waiting on word from that. He said he kind of hurt himself in the in the Clemson game and is still kind of recovering from that as well. So we'll see. But uh, along the cornerback train here, the other name that I had was Jeff Gladney, cornerback at a TCU. This is a guy that you told me the other day. He's like, you know, you're really going to like Gladney. Well, you didn't know that I had already watched Gladney in the summer because I was watching Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, who had strung together like a couple three-digit yard games and was running through cornerbacks, and then he came up against Gladney, and Gladney put hands on him and had clamps on him for most of the game, and that's when he stood out to me. So I really want to dig back into his film, and I'm glad we get to see him down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. The wide receivers, obviously cornerback, wide receiver, the two biggest knees for the Eagles. A guy that you put me on, you're like, hey, you're going to love this guy. Uh, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, who is just explosive, silky smooth, just a big play waiting to happen. So that would be a, a great option for the Eagles if he's there in the second round. Maybe they trade up for him, whatever the case may be. But I think he's going to show really, really well next week. Should I say who I comp Brandon Ayuk to? You're you're going to do it. You're going to turn people off to him because I think I know who it is, right? It's Nelson. Yeah, it's just USC Nelson. Right. Not not Eagles Nelson. Not what happened, but what could have been. <laughs> what could have been Nelson Aguilar, a.k.a. Brandon Ayuk, right? 
everything is similar until the catch point. I think he's got a little bit more juice, like, just off the get-off. Like, Aguilar's not slow by any means. But Ayuk, man, he's got he, he's got a supercharged engine in there. He hits top speed quickly, very quickly. And it's great know, after man. the catch. Aguilar USC tape has some reps where you're like, this dude's playing at 90% speed. He's playing, you know, all rookie, <laughs> right? Like, he's just a different cat. But either way, no. Ayuk yeah. is fun. My highest graded wide receiver there is Denzel Mims, but nobody wants to hear about Denzel Mims among Eagles fans because it's going to be such a hard sell. And he's he's very good, man. He's very, he's very good. good, and he's also not slow. He's right. just not fast. Mm-hmm. You think he's an X type receiver that would be kind of redundant for the Eagles? That's why it's such a hard sell. Yes, and I mean, like the thing is, if you have multiple X's, then you are good because X is the most difficult position to play in terms of regularly getting <laughs> right. off press coverage and winning on the outside. You need an X right. on the slot, and then if you have two X's, well, then one of them is your Z, and you did it right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> having two X's, you have an X. Having two Z's, you don't have an X. So, like you, you know, that's that's okay. But yeah, I don't think I think Mims is the Eagles type. I just don't think. Eagles fans want to hear that right now. And right. Eagles fans would prefer the speed. So Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, Devin DuVernay, uh, the young man out of Texas. Those are the fast boys. Those are the ones you want to be watching when you see practices next week. Yeah, DuVernay blew up when he got moved to the slot by Texas. Very explosive, very thick too, man. Really thickly built. So yeah. that's a guy I've got my eye on. Uh, a little bit stiff, so I want to see the routes and, and the technique and everything like that. See if he can mitigate that stiffness that it, from his build. But uh, two other guys, Ben, I haven't seen these guys, so I'm wondering if you have context on them. Like I've seen very little of them, and I'm looking for Lenore Ryan film. But safety, Kyle Duggar. And then also safety from California, Ashton Davis. I think the Eagles should be, for the third year in a row, we're going to be shouting it from a mountaintop, targeting a safety that they can start to groom for that role. What do you What do you think of those two? Am, am I right to be looking at, at, at Duggar as a, as a possible sleeper? Yeah, so Duggar is, I, I don't even know. You, you watch is he a linebacker the, or a safety? He's 220. You watch <laughs> the videos, like it's like Derrick Henry playing in high school. He's playing at Lenoir Ryan. And he's huge. He is like he had a game where he returned multiple kicks for touchdowns mm. and you watch these reps and you're like, no, he didn't. He's just playing alone. Like he's just on a field by himself. You know, like these are not <laughs> no big tackles. Yes, he's 6'2", 220. He plays safety for them, but they move him all over the field. They, they bring him into the box a lot because the majority of teams that they play are primarily running based offenses because they don't have quarterback talent. So you're going to get your best player into the box. He's going to be successful there. He doesn't move poorly for 220 at all. Right, so like if he's two twenty running in the four fours, which is not outside of the realm of possibility, by the way. Right. Then teams are going to want him at safety because they're going to want that range, and they're they're going to want the ability to to carry tight ends. What's going to matter to him is the man coverage, right? He's been able to man cover anybody because he's been big, long, strong. Technique wise, he's a mess. So hmm. he's going to get challenged, and the tight end group in Mobile isn't great. But like Bryson Hopkins, Jared Pinkney, Harrison Bryant, like they'll be able to do enough to separate from him, and then that'll force him to 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 show what he can learn what he can pick up over the course of the week and how well he can take to coaching in terms of like, how does he hold up against, you know, uh, a much better competition? I have no doubt in my mind. And this is like, not typically the case with underclassmen. I have no doubt in my mind. Athletically, he's there, right? It's just a matter of how well does he take to coaching? How long is it going to take for you to get him mentally and technique wise where he needs to be? If it's possible. So you got to check the box that is possible and then figure out what the, what the timeline is. But no, I mean, Duggar's a stud. In terms of the athletic ability, he's he is an NFL athlete. This is not a small schooler who just happens to be a bit better than everybody. Like he is miles, heads and shoulders 
athletically above the guys he played with, and he's probably going to be athletically above a fair number of the senior bowl guys as well. Ashton Davis is a national qualifier 110-meter hurdler at a cow, and he plays safety. And it's weird because, yeah, like if you're a hurdler, first you're going to have range, and he does, but his angles aren't great, right? And then he's physical. He'll hit you. He'll take your head off. He's a rocket, but his tackling isn't great. And then he has the, the uh, he has good length. Like he's not stubby. He's long, but then he doesn't really stick too well with you in coverage or, or make good plays on the ball. And so there's, yeah. he's got, and, and, and it's hard because when you play safety, especially deep middle, like Ashton Davis played for the Golden Bears, you get such limited exposure because like only 12 plays per game end up actually mattering to you. And so, right. like, there can be sample size concerns and just, like, you know, high variance concerns and whatever. But, like, Davis is just – he profiles as a middle-of-the-field safety, and I don't trust him enough. And then – so, now, all of a sudden, if he's a box safety, he's not as good as the other guys, right, mm-hmm. who, who've done this before. And so, Davis is a weird one. Um, I was talking with Kyle Krabs, who I worked with at the Draft Network about Davis the other day. And he was like – he's like if Taylor Rapp were really fast, right, mm-hmm. which, like – well, the rap's big concern was speed. So you're like, oh, then it's great. But still, like, rap just had, like, weird angles sometimes. And, like, wasn't – he was, like, a consistent tackler. But he would sometimes, like, come in for super hot contact and completely melt off of you. And you're just, like, left a little bit underwhelmed by his film. So Davis, I don't know. I, I struggle to get my head around Davis as, like, a real top 50 pick. If he goes in round two, I won't be shocked because he has good physical tools. But safety play, man, it's tough to evaluate. So, no, I like Duggar a lot. I think Duggar makes a good amount of sense for Philly if you're looking for Malcolm Jenkins back up. But obviously, if they don't re-sign Rodney McLeod, then deep middle safety and having that young guy is what ends up mattering a lot. And that's much more so Davis's speed. Davis yeah. is probably one of the best middle safeties in the class. It's just like I don't love him as a day one or round two pick. Yeah, that, then that's good context. And we'll see what we see out of those guys in Mobile. Ben, before we get out of here, mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Shrine Game wide receivers like I came in wanting to see, you know, John John Hightower from the from Boise State because I'd seen that that Dane Brugler from the Athletic had put him in the uh, top 100 of his big board. Uh, he did everything well, as we talked about on the timeline, and I told Mark Schofield on the QB Sco Show did everything well in t- until it came time to catch the ball. Uh, the day that I saw him, he had three consecutive drops. I'm wondering if because I haven't been there the last couple of days, if he acquitted himself from there and, and kind of got that under control, or if, you know, it's a guy like Benjamin Victor. Because yes, it spells ben- it B-I-N. It, it's Benjamin, but it's spelled Benjamin, Benjamin Victor from Ohio State. He had one of the better days I saw from wide receivers when I was there. If you're looking at anybody for the Eagles from that wide receiver group, did anybody stand out at all? Yeah, so if you want the speed, right, like Hightower out of Boise is the fastest dude here. Jonathan Johnson out of Mizzou is also fast, but he's like 5'8", 180, right? right. So like, he's tiny. Yeah, he's big, small. Um, and that's okay. He's just like a, a slot returner, sort of a type. He was actually weird, like really productive for Mizzou. And people were excited coming into his senior season. And then without Locke there with Kelly Bryant in, and then he got injured a little bit, his production just fell off a cliff. Um, but, but he's clearly one of the more talented receivers here. Those are the speed guys that if you like, you like. Um, and, and, and yeah, Victor's probably the best overall receiver here, but he's just like, a steady depth dude you know what i mean like he's not thrilling in any facet of his game i know people like jawan johnson out of oregon i cannot get my head around it he double catches everything he does not have good mobility um he needs to be a a tight end he needs to be a flex tight end at the nfl level in my opinion um which is not a a popular one but that's 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 my feeling on, on him the there are so um like he said so connor barwin's been here and obviously barwin is learning 
what to do from a scouting perspective, right? Like, he's joining the personnel office. He and Jim Ward, who's the Eagles' Northeast Area Scout, have been following, they've been together the, all three days. Ward has background scouting uh, defensive linemen. If you go to his Eagles bio, right, um, uh, Ward served as a consultant in the personnel department leading up to the 2016-2017 NFL drafts. As a consultant, Ward focuses efforts on evaluating the Mid-American Conference, the MAC, and defensive line prospects in the draft. So that's Ward's background. He was a draft, he was a defensive lineman when he was a, uh, a college player, he played a slippery rock, whatever. They've followed the defensive line everywhere they've gone the whole week, right? And it makes sense because Barwin's an edge. Ward played on the D-line. He's been evaluating D-line prospects. So Ward at, talks to Barwin. Barwin gives his thoughts. You know what I mean? They, they discuss things to look at, right? They're just guys talking ball, learning how to evaluate. So the West defensive line is the better group. Uh, Khalil Davis out of Nebraska has been dominating. John Penasini out of Utah has been dominating. So if you want to watch some guys on film who Eagles, Scouts, and Connor Barwin have been watching and have liked, <laughs> Khalil Davis out of Nebraska, um, John Penasini out of Utah, Bryce Huff out of Memphis, they like, but also they acknowledge that he's definitely not their type on defense. Which, if you want to read anything into a shorter, squattier, outside linebacker, stand-up rusher out of Memphis not being the type for the Eagles, you want to extrapolate that to any other player that may or may not currently be on the roster, feel free to go for it. That's all I will say about that. But, uh, so that Bryce Huff, they, they've watched, he's played well. Bravian Roy out of, out of Baylor has played well. So those are a lot of the guys they've been watching. Khalil Davis makes sense for what they like. He's a penetrating three-tech. He's super squatty. He's got a great inside drag hand. He's got good bend, surprising bend when he's been at the peak of the pocket. Um, so those are the guys they've been paying attention to, paying attention to, who I like Khalil Davis a lot as well. So there's been a lot of attention for the Eagles staff on the defensive line here at the Shrine game. It was interesting. You pointed out Bravey and Roy, the big 333-pounder from Baylor, as they were doing like those cone drills. I'm like, this big dude has, has some silk to him. Right. He's, so it's... Uh, Right, when you're 333 pounds doing a hoop drill, and you're 6'1", yeah. too, so you're like a broad dude, as long as you do not fall over to win, right? And Which Roy never the fell next over. guy do. <laughs> right. And then if you can show any sort of ability to maintain momentum, maintain velocity, right? You're not I'm just impressed. like, junk, 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 right? Just like doing it in little like straight lines. No, yeah. Roy, can, Roy can turn a corner. It's not tight, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> listen, if they took Anthony Rush off the Oakland practice squad, Brave and Roy is their body type. So those are some names to keep an eye out for because the Strand game is going to be on Saturday. You can watch it on television. So check it out. Watch some names for the Eagles. And of course, next week we'll be covering it live down there in Mobile. We'll have a few people there. Jimmy Kemsky is going to be there. Ben's going to be there. Mark Schofield's going to be there. So BGN is going to be well represented. We're going to have content coming your way throughout the week coming in hot. Ben. That's going to do it for today. Would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners? Well, hey, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Soul Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. This was the, there's no real name for this show. This doesn't have an actual name. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yep. Offensive line, or excuse me, offensive coordinator, personnel office, senior bowl, shrine bowl, primer preview review show uh, thank you so much for listening to it we hope you enjoyed it now good information me and mike talking uh next upcoming week obviously is the senior bowl and after the practices there and the standout players there we will get you prepped on those players as well if you do watch some khalil davis uh out of nebraska some john pennison out of utah let me know because i'm also watching those players would like to hear what you think i'm on twitter at benjamin Solak. that's s-o-l-a-k he's on twitter at michael kiss nfl that's k-i-s-t your feed is full of off-season shows as we look down 
hunting down this new offensive coordinator, hiring some new staff, making some contract moves, and we look towards March 18th, which is the opening of the league year. Mike, you know what else March 18th is? My birthday. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Fun fact I learned today. <laughs> Not the birthday thing, but that's when the league year was. I knew I the birthday say, yeah. coming into yeah. it. I've known the birthday okay. for years, actually. Fun fact. That's good. Yeah. Nice. So thanks so much for Proud listening. We appreciate you swinging by. We will talk to you next week. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Team.